continuing this week in our series called Shift, Changing for Impact. Shift, Changing for Impact. And we have spent uh, the last few weeks uh, going through various uh, various texts in the Gospels and looking at... Um, looking at how they help us to shift and make the changes uh, that we need to make. And so today will be, uh, will be no different. We will be launching from a familiar text um, from the uh, Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew. Amen. We'll be launching today from the Gospel of Matthew. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew, chapter 28. Uh, verse number 16 is where we'll begin. This is a familiar passage of scripture, uh, one that we've heard uh, through, uh, through, down through the years in the church, one that has become a part of the ethos and the mission of the church. It's familiar, and it's our prayer that God will give us even a fresh lens to check it out today. So Matthew 28, beginning at verse 16 from the English Standard Version, should be appearing on your screen uh, shortly, if not already there. Here, there, there you'll find these words. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be unto God for God's word. It's our hope that it finds a place deep in your heart today as we share. Um, and that this message will resonate with you uh, as we share together. Uh, sermonically today. Listen, as we um, make our fourth installment in our series, Shift, Changing for Impact, I'd like to tag this text with the topic, Living at the Intersection. Living at the Intersection. Living at the Intersection. Have you ever noticed the location of our church? For many of us who have been a part of the TMCBC family, we can clearly picture in our minds where our physical location is in, church, in the Churchill section of Richmond, Virginia. However, for those who may be unaware, our church building is located at the intersection of East Broad Street and North 32nd Street, right across from Chimborazo Park. And often, this is the way I find myself describing our location to those who may be asking where we are. We are the church right at the intersection with the big stained glass windows. And as I was given this description recently, it was the idea of being a church at the intersection that resonated deeply with me. Because in many ways, that is what we are called to be as the church. Not just a building on the corner of two streets, but a people living out our faith on the road of life. And perhaps this has been the struggle for the church as its loss of rele relevancy, uh, as the loss of relevancy of church in the greater culture has become more uh, and more evident. 
We are living in a postmodern world with pluralistic beliefs. More simply put, we are in a time of skepticism about things that have been known as established truths. We are in a time where morality and truth are understood relative to their culture or their context. And this presents a challenge to the church and to the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because for as long, uh, for, for so long rather, we were at the center of culture in our country and in our communities. In years past, being affiliated with the church was the culturally acceptable thing to do regardless of race, ethnicity, age, gender, or socioeconomic status. Y'all, everybody went to church somewhere. In fact, in particular in the black community, the church was much more than just a central part, uh, was rather a certain, much more central part of the community. You know how we identify ourselves by the church that we go to and family that we belong to. But things y'all have changed and shifted drastically. And it's a very hard truth and a difficult reality to accept that we are no longer at the center of culture. We can find ourselves competing with the multiplicity of activities and hobbies and events that call for the attention of the greater world. And that has become more evident as we continue in the midst of this pandemic that our challenge is finding a place in the busyness of the culture. We'd like to think that it shouldn't be this way and that it needs to go back to how it was in years gone by. But this mindset and perspective is what is literally killing faith communities that are unwilling to adjust and uh, rendering us with waning impact in our greater community. Does the world still need the message of the church? Absolutely. But we just have to shift our minds and our ministry and our methods from expecting folks to come to us and go to them. And perhaps this is one of the most important parts of uh, this moment in the life of the church is getting back to the faith that was modeled for us and given to us from the most influential person to ever live. Before Pentecost, before Paul, before any of the great scholars and interpreters of the written word, there was the living word. And what Jesus shows us and calls us to do is to live out our faith at the intersections of life. No more waiting for people to come to us. We should be allowing the spirit to guide us to where the people are already living, playing, and working. And here's the crazy part, y'all. It's in the same places that we live, we play, and we work. We should be collectively less concerned uh, about when we will come back to the church building and look toward how this season has opened up opportunities for us to go out. Just because Jesus, y'all, went to the synagogue, but most of Jesus' time was spent in the streets with the people, standing with the people, interacting with the people, healing the people, speaking up for the people, and giving to the people. Jesus made the kingdom of God accessible, and it was that accessibility that sparked a life-changing movement in the world. And if we are going to be kingdom representatives and Christ followers, we have to recommit ourselves to the commission that God gave us and live our lives at the intersections. A scene we encounter at the close of Matthew's gospel follows what has been a tumultuous time in the lives of Jesus and his disciples. After three years of traveling with him and learning from him, Jesus is caught up in the conspiracy plot of the religious leaders in the empire and ends up being scapegoated and executed on a cross. 
This rocks the world of his followers who scatter into hiding, unsure of what will happen to them. Then, just a couple of days later, word gets out that Jesus is alive again. And he shows up in various ways to various groups of people, preaching and teaching and encouraging and restoring and preparing them for this next season of ministry in the life of the church and in the movement of God. This is a great joy for the followers who mostly believe that their resurrected teacher is here before them in the flesh as we read in verse 16 in the text. But there were also some who doubted. And at the moment of our sex today, Jesus has gathered them to give final instruction and witness his uh, ascension into the heavens. He is leaving them again, but this time he is leaving them as resurrected savior and leaving them with the mission to go and change the world. Y'all, Jesus has introduced a radical culture, a culture of serving, a culture of radical love, a culture of relationship over religion, a culture of breaking barriers. This is what Jesus had given and taught the disciples, and this is what Jesus has given to us. Jesus proclaims the authority that has been given to him, and then in that same authority, he commands the disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that he has commanded them. Jesus gave them a commission, uh, gave a commission to the disciples to go and change the world. Jesus sent them to expand the culture of the kingdom of God to every place they set their feet. Jesus enlisted them to enroll everyone uh, into the way of life that he had shown them. And just in case you didn't know it, Jesus has commissioned us in this way as well. And I hear the Lord saying to us today, I am sending you based on the power given to me so that you can do what I've shown you to do. That's what Jesus is telling you today. I'm, I'm sending you. Yes, you watching on Facebook, you on YouTube, you listening on Sermon by Phone today. I'm sending you based in the power that you that has been given to me to so that you can go do what I've already shown you how to do. And I'm sending you to love God and to love people. I'm sending you to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the oppressed and sight to the blind. I'm sending you to stand alongside the homeless and the hungry, the orphaned and the outsider, the least, the lost, the left out, the looked over and the left behind. I am sending you. The central phrase that we often hear quoted and focus on in the King James Version says, go ye therefore. And oftentimes... We understand this as the first command of this great commission. However, if we really do a deep study of the text in the original language, what we discover is that term go actually means as you are going. The reality is, the reality of life, y'all, is that we are always going. And Jesus is saying that every place that we are going is a place that our faith should be lived out. This is what ought to color our understanding of the Great Commission and propel us in the way that we are representing the kingdom of God. The command to go isn't a command of manifest destiny for the kingdom of God. It is an instruction for the way we live our lives before the world. And for far too long, we have lived with the arrogance. I said arrogance. That folks will come to the church because they see the building. When the reality is that we have to shift our perspective to match the ethos of the kingdom of God. People don't connect with the kingdom of God when they don't see the kingdom at work in and through the lives of those who claim citizenship in the kingdom of God. And that means that the church has to recenter, reevaluate, and reposition itself 
so that we can fulfill the mandate of Christ. This is an instruction for the disciples of Jesus Christ and the church of Jesus Christ to make sure that it finds itself living at the intersections, uh, living at the intersections rather that lives will be transformed by the power of God. What then today uh, does the text show us that is required for us to live at the intersections? It's a good question. And I'm glad you asked. Living at the intersections requires first engagement by example. Living at the intersections requires engagement by example. Notice how Jesus begins his final statement to the disciples as recorded by Matthew. He says, go or as you are going and make disciples of all nations. It's interesting how Jesus invokes this commission to those who are gathered. He is sending them with the kingdom mandate as disciples to make disciples. Now, when we hear the word disciple, our mind first goes to people. We probably think about the 12 disciples who walked with Jesus. We probably consider that Jesus is calling people to be a part of his mission on earth. We think about ourselves as disciples. However, what Jesus is talking about here is not all about people as objects, but people whom we walk with through a process. It's not about people as a noun. It's about being a verb. It's about a process. In the original language of the text, the word translated as the phrase make disciples is the idea of initiating or continuing a process of learning a particular way of living. That means a couple of things, one of which is that you have to be a disciple in order to make a disciple. It's hard to initiate or instruct someone in ways that you yourself aren't working to embody. The idea of making disciples is one that requires action and activity. The idea, uh, uh, and essentially rather, uh, Jesus is saying to those who are gathered and saying to us today that we are called to do what he has done for us. We are to engage people in the process of discipleship with the totality of our lives. Here's the interesting thing about Jesus' journey with the 12 disciples. Y'all, he met them in the process of living his life. Uh, remember back in the first uh, in the first uh, first installment of our series, we talked about Luke uh, chapter five, Luke chapter five, where Jesus calls uh, Simon Peter. And what was Jesus doing? Jesus was doing his ministry and he came across the path of Simon Peter as Simon Peter was at work. Jesus was living his life and encountered somebody. His life intersected with the life of Simon Peter. This is what Jesus was doing. He was preaching and teaching and borrowed their boats and stayed in their homes. Jesus found ways to engage them by being in places where his example could have impact. And if we are to follow the model that Jesus has given us, we have to spend more time in places that will engage people who need to see what a living disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ looks like. Folks can't see us if we remain in our holy huddles behind the doors of our church buildings or if we just limit our faith to the virtual sanctuary on a Sunday morning. If that's the only time we claim to be a disciple, y'all, then we really ain't a good disciple at all. Yes, we ought to learn from Jesus and follow Jesus. We are called to do it in a way that is, that is as we are going, people can see the light of Christ in our lives. 
People can see the power of God at work in our lives. People can see the love of Christ flowing through our example. Uh, The disciples decided to follow Jesus because of the example that Jesus set before them. More disciples followed the first 11 because of the example that was set before them. And all I'm asking us today is if we looked around, who is trying to follow Jesus because of the example of our lives? In a leadership conference, A few years back, I heard a speaker say that he learned from the example of his pastor due to the fact that he spent so much time around him. And he closed out his illustration saying that many of the lessons he gleaned from his pastor came because his pastor showed him a lot more than he spoke to him about. And he closed the phrase, closed uh, with a phrase I'll never forget. He said, always remember that more is caught than taught. And here's what we ought to know. People pay attention to what we do more than what we say. And to be a disciple means that we have to be reflecting the example of Jesus Christ so that others can catch the power of who Jesus is and be engaged in the process of discipleship. We might never have a chance to say but a few words to some folks, but I can guarantee that they are watching what we do, how we behave, how we react, and how the light of of Christ shines through our lives. Y'all remember what Jesus taught, that we ought to let our light so shine before men and before women and before the world that they will see what we do and give God the glory. We might not be of the world, y'all, but we have to be in it during this life. So it's time for the disciples of Jesus Christ to stand and raise the God awareness of the world. It's time for the disciples of Jesus Christ to show the kingdom of God to the world and to use, and, and it's time for the disciples of Jesus Christ, disciples of Jesus Christ to engage folks by our example. For as the songwriter said, everywhere we go, we've got to let our light shine in our homes, in our schools, in our churches, in our communities, in all the places we live, work, and play, and exist in the world. We have to let our light shine. Living at the intersections requires engagement by example but it also requires intentionality with our interactions living at an intersection also requires intentionality with our interactions jesus commands uh jesus commands about what uh, we are to do uh, are straightforward in the text check out what he says he says as you are going make disciples baptize disciples teach disciples it's pretty straightforward it's right there in the text in verses 19 and 20 jesus is very specific with what we should be doing as we are living out our own faith as we engage people in word and indeed our focus is to is to be that we get them connected committed and instructed in the ways of the kingdom of god here's what i'm discovering in this post-covid season well not really post-covid because covid is in wave number four now but in this (laughs) continuing covid season uh, that was always true in the pre-COVID, is that, but it's being more greatly exposed in this season that the church can often be like a professional sports league. That the church, all we do is trade folks from one team to another. Yeah, I know, that's, that's a hard reality. And the reality, y'all, for many churches is that we aren't growing because we aren't being intentional about connecting with people outside of the church bubble. So folks just stay in one place or bounce around from one church to the next. 
But y'all, that's not real growth by the standard of the kingdom of God. And this is why it matters that we live out our faith at the intersections of life so that we can actually expand the kingdom of God. Our call is to make disciples who make disciples. But too often we are guilty of just training professional church members who know how to do church but not be the church. We can keep doing church forever and it will be a performative practice with no power. It's not until we return to being the church that we will be able to experience the kingdom of God growing through our lived out faith. And this is why it matters that we are intentional with our interactions. One area that we can be intentional in our interactions in is in the area of our relationships. Listen, there's no scripted formula for how disciples go through the instructions that Jesus gives in these verses. However, the example that Jesus gives is one of authentic relationships. We can try to create a process that makes and develops disciples. However, it is relationship that will undergird any process that we develop. In fact, research shows that research shows that when folks commit to following Jesus, that it is relationships with other disciples that help to keep people from abandoning their faith. And over the three years that Jesus shared with with the disciples, he developed a deep and abiding relationship with them. Y'all, they ate together. They traveled together. They walked together. They worked together. They prayed together. They worshiped together. Y'all, they lived life and did life together. In a book that I read some years back called Why Men Hate Going to Church, the author, David Murrow, describes the intentional process of one church based on Jesus' example. Here's what the process of the church was. The pastor took time to walk through life with 12 men and those and in turn those 12 men each found 12 men themselves to walk through life with and those 12 groups of 12 men found 12 more men just imagine the expanse and the increase that is that is happening and taking place just through that model these groups walk through scripture together. They pray together. They meet life's challenges together. They do recreational activities and hobbies together. And this model particularly blesses me because it reflects the intentionality that is required to move people from not interested in faith to being committed followers of Jesus Christ. And if we desire to live at the intersections of life, we have to be willing to do life with some folks as we all navigate together what it means to be disciples and kingdom citizens living in the world y'all this is more than just Sunday school this is more than just Sunday worship it is far beyond demographically based ministry it is being intentional about walking out our faith in the messy places walking out our faith in the gray areas walking out our faith in the difficult situations and moments that life continues and will always present to us it is focused and intentionally living life in purpose and on purpose and with purpose through the power of our authentic relationships y'all we have to put aside our holy facade we have to put aside our christianese speech we have to put aside our church cliches and just allow folks to be their authentic selves while offering our authentic selves in the process of learning about the kingdom of god and getting to know jesus better together we have to remember y'all it's not our job to save folks but to be intentional in the ways that we show up as representatives of jesus christ in the world Living at the intersections is what we're called to do. It requires that we, are, that we practice engagement by example. It requires that we have intentionality 
with our interactions. Finally, it requires remembering that we are approved by Jesus's authority. I'm done. Real quick, though, check the text. Notice how Jesus starts verse 18. He says, all power or all authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Then notice how he closes the chapter in verse 20, saying, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. Hope you caught it. But let me help you for as much as we might have read and even memorized these verses of scripture and can quote them at the drop of a dime. Have we really considered what Jesus is telling the disciples in this moment and telling us today? Y'all, it's not real deep. And this is all I got to close this thing out today. Uh, it's something that should spur us to action and keep us grounded as we live and work and, uh, and go forth as disciples each and every day. Jesus says two things. At the beginning of his command and at the end of his command, at the beginning, he says, I have all power. And then at the end, he says, I will be with you. Listen, I know you're sitting at home right now. You missed your shout. I, Jesus says, I have all power and I will be with you. Here's what I recognize about sharing our faith. It can be hard in a world that can be hostile and apathetic to the Christian walk. Uh, it can be uh, much easier to mute our faith life and faith talk than to live our faith out loud. It can feel uncomfortable to be carrying the message and sharing the message of the gospel. But the nature of the faith to which we are committed is countercultural and it goes against the grain of everything that is around us. And what Jesus was commissioning the disciples and us to do was something that was well out of the scope of human power to accomplish. He, Jesus says, make disciples of all nations. Y'all, this is a big task that has been passed down through generations of believers. The continued expansion of the kingdom of God entrusted to human efforts. When you really think about it, y'all, it can be overwhelming and all-consuming. But here is the good news, y'all, and here's why we ought not be timid or fearful about how we live out our faith in our everyday lives. Uh, there is a reason that encapsulates uh, the, why the task is continually being accomplished, because we are being sent by the one who already has authority in the places we are going. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus uses the term all a lot in these verses. Jesus says, uh, I have all power and I'm sending you to all nations to make disciples, to teach them all things that I have commanded you. Uh, he is literally sending us in his power to the places he has power to teach about how to live in his power. That's good right there. Jesus is sending us in his power to the places that he has power over to teach us about how to live in his power and I don't know about you today but that gets me excited because the places I show up I've already gotten approval to be there that just reminds us today that as we are going that we are going in the authority of the one who has all authority that 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 gets me excited that gives me a little boost of confidence to know that the relationships that I have God has already approved me being in this place and already given me and bequeathed to me his authority 
authority to go forth in sharing the good news of the gospel. And this is why the intersections of life don't scare me, y'all, because it's where Jesus already said we should be. And now we just have to start taking our going a little bit more seriously. Because as we are going in our neighborhood, as we are going in our city, as we are going in our town, as we are going on our job, as we are going with our family, as we are going in our friendships, as we are going to the gas station and the grocery store, as we are going to the projects in the homeless tent city, as we are going to the prisons and the hospitals, as we are going, we can walk in the knowledge that Jesus has all power. We can walk in the promise that Jesus will be with us as we are going. We can walk in the approval that Jesus has given us to transform lives, to share the good news, to tell the old story, to get folks connected with the kingdom of God, to let people know about Jesus Christ and the love that he has for us, that he showed to us by dying on Calvary's tree. And then they can live in the power that he gained by by getting up early on the third day morning. Y'all, Jesus has given us all approval to walk in his authority and to live at the intersections of life. So what are you going to do as you are going? What are you going to say as you are going? As you are going on social media, as you are, as you are going to kids' football practices, as you are going to organizational meetings, as you are going, how, how are you going to live out what you believe? How are you going to live your life at the intersection? approved you have all authority because Jesus has given it to you he said go make disciples of all nations so let's do it spot for word of prayer God we thank you for the word of Christ today it reminds us about the fact that you've already given us approval that you've gone before us and you've given us authority to move in the spaces and the places that we live work play and exist. God, allow us to take seriously our going. Allow us to take seriously the fact that you have given us this treasure in earthen vessels that we are called to share with the world. That you have given us a light that we are called to let shine everywhere we go. Let us not dim our light We'll put a barrel over our light, cover or hide our light. But God, help us to let our light shine. She would get all of the glory. God, we pray today for some man, woman, boy, or girl who may be watching this today who needs to get connected in faith with you. God, it's our prayer today that they will make the decision to begin this journey of becoming a disciple in this journey of walking in the power and the authority to which you bequeath to them living their lives anew by placing their trust and their faith and their belief in Jesus Christ God we pray today for someone who needs to rededicate themselves to going 
one who needs to rededicate themselves to the process of being a disciple. What we're grateful for, God, is that you never give up on us. So today, that one who may have turned away, that one who may have gotten sidetracked, the one who may have not committed, may have stepped back from their commitment to you, God, we pray today to move powerfully in their lives. Finally, God, I'm praying today that you would help us to be a church that lives our faith at the intersections. Whatever that means for those who are connected to us, whatever that means for us collectively, God, guide us into that and bring alongside us the people who will partner with us in that work. We love you, God, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.